الحمد لله رب العالمين له الحمد الحسن والثناء الجميل وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن سيدنا ونبينا محمد صلى الله عليه وعلى آله وأصحابه والتابعين لهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين أما بعد وإن شرح في الكتاب صفة صلاة النبي من التكبير إلى التسليم كأنك تراها written by الإمام محدث ديار الشام محمد ناصر الدين الألباني رحمه الله تعالى the author, rahimahullah, he now goes into the permissibility of reciting Fatiha alone. There are five masail that the author, rahimahullah, he talks about um, uh, here. There are five points that the author, rahimahullah, he talks, um, he talks about in here. The first issue is that it's permissible if a person pray, prays an obligatory prayer for him to lead a people who's going to pray an obligatory prayer. And if a person has already prayed Isha, for example, or he's already prayed Maghrib, is he allowed to lead a people the Salatul Maghrib, even though he's already prayed, and he's leading them a Sunnah? Is he allowed to do that? Yes. The evidence for it is what Mu'adh ibn Jabal used to do. He would pray with the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam at Isha, and then he would go back to the city uh, and lead the people uh, but for Mu'adh it was a voluntary prayer and for the people it was an obligatory prayer. The second mas'ala, the second issue that we take in this chapter is if the Imam uh, increases uh, or he lengthens the prayer very long, he makes it very, very long and someone is praying behind him and they are very busy or they are not able to pray behind this Imam because he's praying too long, it is permissible for the person to cut that prayer go by themselves and pray. It is permissible because of that which the man did when Mu'adh lengthened the prayer. And the Messenger وسلم, did not rebuke him for doing so. Um, but the scholars, they had a discussion at this particular point. They said, if he was praying, let's say this man prayed one rak'ah with Mu'adh ibn Jabal. Okay, and then he cut off. Does he carry on from the three that's remaining for him? Or what he can do is, he prays all of the four by himself. That's to start from scratch again. I hope that question is understood. Um, the man prayed with Mu'adh ibn Jabal. Let's say, let's say he prayed one rak'ah with Mu'adh. And there was how many rak'ah left? Three. When he cuts off, can he carry on from the three by himself and finish and leave? Or does he start again? Or does he start again and pray all of the four by himself? The scholars, they differed amongst themselves. Um, that which seems apparent from this evidence is that the man, he said, uh, he, in, in, the man left. This man... He left the prayer, he cut the prayer, he went to the corner and he prayed again from scratch. That's what it seems like. And that his first prayer was broken and then he prayed from scratch. That's what it seems like. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has knowledge. And Allah wa ta'ala a'la wa a'lam is higher and more knowledgeable. Al-mas'ala The third issue is The imam should not lengthen the prayer where he harms the people. He shouldn't. Because the Messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he told Mu'adh 
ibn Jabal off for lengthening the prayer out. And he said to him, he said to Mu'ad, Afatanun anta ya Mu'ad. Mu'ad, are you one who wants to cause fitna? Are you choosing to cause fitna? So this shows that if the Imam, uh, he lengthens the prayer, it could possibly be a cause of fitna for the people and it could be a harm for the people. Naam. Mas'alatul Rabi'ah, the fourth mas'ala. It is permissible for the person who is praying with the Imam to shorten fil qira'ati ala qira'ati al-fatihati faqat. It is permissible for the person who is praying with the Imam to only recite Surah Al-Fatiha in all of the raka'at. He's allowed to do that and not need read any other surah. In the whole entire salah, every raka'ah he just recites Fatiha. It is permissible because when the Messenger وسلم, asked the boy, he said to him, uh, uh, how do you pray? He said, وَأَنْتَ كَيْفَ تُصَلِّي? He said, أَنْتَ you." كيف تصلي في الصلاة؟ How do you pray in the How do you pray the salah? He said, أقرأ بفاتحة الكتاب. He said, I only read Fatiha. وأسأل الله الجنة. I ask Allah for Jannah. وأعوذ به من النار. And I seek refuge in Allah from the hellfire. That's all I do. I don't know what this, this lengthening that Mu'adh is doing. As for me, I just read Fatiha. I ask Allah for Jannah and I seek refuge from the hellfire. Yes, that's all I do. The fifth issue is, he said, um, the fifth issue in this chapter is, um, that this boy, this young boy, or this young man, his um, iman was true. He, was a, he had iman. And that he was not lying and he was not from the hypocrites. Uh, this is what we learn from this chapter. Naam. The author, Rahimahullah, he now goes into. Mm-hmm. There are a couple of issues that the author Allah, mentions uh, here. There are a couple of things that he, he mentions. And inshallah ta'ala, they are seven issues inshallah ta'ala. First issue. What is the distinguishing factor between the loudly prayed salah and the pray- salahs that are prayed uh, quietly. What is the thing that distinguishes them from it? I mean, what is the distinguishing factor? The thing that Dabit. The Dabit of the Qira'a al-Jahriya is that the person recites um, the Qira'a al-Jahriya is that al-Qira'a al-Jahriya an yatlu al-ayata bihaythu yasma'u man bijawarihi If a person recites um, the uh, Quran and the people who are around him can hear him, then this is jahriya. That's enough. Like, what makes a loud recitation is that if the person recites, that the people around him can hear him. Okay? And qira'a sirriya is um, that the person recites or he comes with the dhikr and he moves his lips. And the person next to you, the person who's on your short next to you, right next to you, the person right next to you, on your right or your left, if they wanted to listen, they can hear what you're saying. Ah. But they cannot really tell exactly what you're reading, but they can hear the fact that you're speaking. They can hear some whispers coming out of your mouth. This is called Qira'a Sirriya. So this is how you know is, is. Okay, now we understand. He mentioned, uh, he took the opinion, 
that the Qira'a Sirriya Ibn Taymiyyah said, even though it's not right, he said the Salah is still accepted if even the person can't hear himself. And the Asal is that when you recite, you can hear what you're saying. You can hear it. You, you can hear it. Okay? It's not like how many people, so many people do, just their mouth is closed and nothing can be heard. الثانية, the second mas'ala. إذا عرفنا ضابط القراءة الجهرية وضابط القراءة السرية نقول ما يصنعه بعض الناس من وقوف في الصلاة مغلقين شفتيهم غير محركين لسانهم حتى ينتهوا من الصلاة. The second mas'ala that I wanted to mention is those who stand in the prayer do not move their lips, do not move their tongue. Um, those individuals, um, even when they're doing the dhikr, even when they're in ruku', even when they're coming up from the ruku', even when they're in sujood, even in any position in the salah, uh, those people don't move their lips. Those people, the scholars, they say, فَصَلَاتُهُمْ Their salah is null and void. Because they didn't read in the salah. They did not recite anything in the salah. It is a must that the person reads in the salah. Um, so it's an important issue that we know. Number, point number three. The chapter teaches us the places where the Messenger he recited loudly in the five daily prayers. The uh, prayers that the Prophet ﷺ recited loudly. And they are Al-Fajr and Al-Maghrib and Al-Isha. And the other two are Jahriya. We learned that. Mas'alatul Rabi'ah, the fourth mas'ala that we learned here is Salatul Jumu'ah and Salatul Eidain and Salatul Istisqa and Salatul Khusuf. The Messenger ﷺ, he used to recite it loud. And it is known that the Salatul Jumu'ah, it is in the daytime. And Salatul Eidain is also in the daytime. And Salatul Istisqa, it happens in the daytime. And Salatul Kusuf, whether it's a Kusufun or Khusufun, there's Kusuf and there's Khusuf. There's a Luna and there's the Solar. There's a Luna and a Solar. Solar eclipse, Noon eclipse. So if it's the uh, Solar eclipse, which is the Shams, then it's daytime. And if it's the Luna, which is the Moon, then it is at nighttime. So all of those prayers, we uh, recite it loud. The fifth issue that the, the Shaykh Rahimahullah pointed here is If a person prays the obligatory Maghrib or he prays Isha or he prays Fajr and he prays alone should he or should he or she recite loudly or should the person who's praying should they read loudly uh, We mentioned that the Messenger used to recite it Loudly, and if you salat al Fajri, salat al Maghribi, salat al Isha, the Messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam he used to read it loud. Loud. Some scholars they took the opinion that the person must raise their voice because of the umumu qawlihi taala sallallahu alaihi wasallam. The umumu qawlihi taala sallu kama raitumuni usalli. We should take, we should recite loud even if we're praying by ourselves. Uh, Fajr, Maghrib, and Isha, we, sh- we should read loud because of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam saying, "Pray the way you saw me pray." And another group of scholars, they said, and if a person is praying by themselves, these prayers, Maghrib, Isha, and Fajr, these prayers, if the person is praying by himself, um, then it's no problem if the person doesn't raise their voice. 
because they said the purpose of reciting loudly is for the people to hear you you're an imam you're leading the people um naam al-mas'alatu sadisa the sixth issue is idha raf'a al-imam sawta bil qira'ati fi salati as-sirriyat ahyanan liy'lam an-nasa liy'allim an-nasa if a person um is um leading the people sometimes they can raise their voice in the salat as-sirriyah sometimes you can uh, some of the sahabas radiyallahu anhum they read surah al-fatiha loud in the salat as-sirriyah um, and the reason why they did that is ta'liman lin-nasi uh, teaching the people what they can read um, and etc and the seventh issue is إِذَا قَضَى الصَّلَاةِ السِّرِّيَّةِ أَوِ الْجَهْرِيَّةِ مَا الْحُكْمُ فِي الْقِرَاءَةِ If a person is um, doing qada of another prayer, يعني you're doing qada of Salatul Maghrib. You missed Salatul Maghrib, you overslept and you woke up and it, you woke up the next day. Or you missed Isha and you woke up after Fajr. Or you missed Fajr and you woke up at Dhuhr time. And you woke up, subhanAllah, now Fajr we know is a salah which is what? It's a salah which is jahriya. Do I have to read it loud? Because I'm praying at daytime. I'm praying it at, at a time other than its time. Huh? Um, what's the issue of the reading? Ibn Qudama rahimahullah says in his Mughni, فَأَمَّا إِنْ قَضَى الصَّلَاةِ فِي جَمَاعَةٍ فَإِنْ كَانَتْ صَلَاةَ نَهَارٍ أَسَرَّ سَوَاءٌ قَضَاهَا فِي لَيْلَةٍ أَوْ نَهَارٍ لِأَنَّ الصَّلَاةَ نَهَارٍ وَلَا أَعْلَمُ فِي هَذَا خِلَافًا The great Imam Ibn Qudama in his Kitab al-Mughni, he says, فَأَمَّا إِنْ قَضَى الصَّلَاةً فِي جَمَاعَةٍ If he's uh, doing qada of the salah in a congregation, فَإِنْ كَانَتْ صَلَاةَ نَهَارٍ If it's salah daytime, whether he's bringing it back in daytime or nighttime. The author, Rahimahullah, talks about two mas'ala in this chapter. The first issue is the recitation in the Salatul Layl. It is a sunnah to sometimes raise your voice and sometimes to read low. But what is the best is to be in the middle. Not to be loud or not be, to be low. At-tawassud bayna al-israri wal-ijhar ama wal-jahri. It's to be in the middle. Don't go too loud and don't go too low. Um, that is the best one. Um, the night prayer. Mas'ala to the second mas'ala is anna minal adab al fi qira'at al Quran al israr. Anna al insana yusarru from the adab that are mandatory when reciting the Quran is to read it low. And if you're going to read the Quran, the um, the obligatory manners that's required from a person who wants to read the Quran is to read it lowly, low, uh, quietly. Um, why? Because the issue of showing off. The person must observe themselves. Um, sincerity, righteous actions comes from sincerity and following the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi So loud, reading it loud, it goes, it comes against the concept of sincerity. Now. The author, rahimahullah, 
he spoke about the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, ten prayers. Salatul Fajr he started from, and he finished at the Salatul Janazah. All of these prayers, the author rahimahullah, he spoke about what the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam recited. So every single one of you have the Arabic and the English right next to each other. So you can look at that, inshallah ta'ala. Each salah, what is it that the Messenger sallallahu used to read? In Salatul Jumu'ah, what did the Messenger read? Salatul Al-Idain, what did he read? Salatul Al-Witr, what was the Messenger sallallahu reciting in his witr? What did the Messenger sallallahu recite in the Salatul Layl? Qiyamul Layl, what would he pray? How was his Qiyamul Layl? Also the author rahimahullah mentions the Sunnah of some of the prayers. Some of the prayers, the sunnahs that they have, the rawatib. He mentions what the Messenger used to read. And this is important because you'll be following the Messenger in his sunnah. And once you read the, each surah with what the Messenger used to read, then no one can say to you that you're lengthening the prayer. Yani the concept of what makes a salah long and what makes it short is in accordance to what the Prophet ﷺ prayed. What the Prophet prayed in is not called a lengthy prayer. Yani it's not going to be something a person can say, you've oppressed us. Because before we mention that the Messenger ﷺ prohibited anyone from um, lengthening the prayer and becoming a fitna to the people. So in order to get out of that uh, problem, it's best to learn the, uh, the Prophet ﷺ, what he would recite in each surah. What he would recite in each uh, sorry, Salah, and what he would pray with, and then inshallah ta'ala, you are upon uh, clarity and there's nothing you need to worry about, inshallah ta'ala. Bi-idhni kareem after the Salah, we're going to start from the uh, recitation uh, of the Prophet with tartil and beautifying your voice, and then we're going to finish the book, inshallah ta'ala, today, bi-idhni lahi, bi kareem The author, rahimahullah, he mentions a couple of masails, couple of issues in this chapter. The first issue that he mentions is Tartilul Quran, reciting the Quran with Tartil, as Allah commanded in the Quran, Quran Tartila. Number two. The second point that the author Rahimahullah, by the way, Tartil means It means to give every single letter its rights, its due rights. That is what it means. So the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he used to read the Quran, he used to read it with tartil. He used to give every single letter, it's haq and it's mustahaq. And the ulama at tajweed they speak about what it means, i'ata'i kulli harfin haqqahu wa mustahaqqah, what it means. Mas'alatu al-thaniya, the second mas'ala is, وَكَانَ يُقَالُ لِصَاحِبِ الْقُرْآنِ It's going to be said, uh, he used to say the Prophet sallallahu that it will be said to the person of the Quran يوم القيامة اقرأ وارتقي كما كنت ترتل في الدنيا read and ascend فإن منزلتك عند آخر آية تقرأها your station is going to be the last verse in which you recite the third point that the author رحمه الله um, mentioned is Sifatu Qira'ati Rasulillah The way that the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam used to read كان يمد قراءته مدى 
the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa he would prolong alayhi salatu wasalam, his recitation at a letter which can be prolonged. He wouldn't just prolong it wherever, but he would prolong it at a letter which can be prolonged. So the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa would recite Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. He would do that. And the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam will recite it. He would read it calmly, collectively. Salawatullahi Wasallamu Alaihi. And that is how his recitation was. He would read the Qira'ah with Mad. The fourth Mas'ala is It is to beautify your voice when reciting the Quran because the beautification, the beautifying of your voice when reciting the Quran increases the Quran in goodness or beautifulness. The Prophet also said, "Laysa minna man lam He is not from amongst us the one who uh, does not recite the Quran um, uh, beautifully. He is not from amongst us. And the intent between uh, be, behind this is tahsinu sauti fil Qurani wa tilawa. It is to beautify your Quran, your recitation, when reading the Quran. But the intent here isn't. That the person follows instrumental sounds. He follows particular musical sounds, uh, which today they call maqamat. Um, this is not what the Messenger وسلم, is talking about. And maqamat is something that a person should avoid and leave off and not spend their time in looking into that. Uh-huh. And that is what's meant by reciting your voice beautifully. <laughs> the author now, now goes into a mas'ala known as Al-Fatih to o- open for the Imam. And if the Imam, he does a mistake, he requires uh, someone to open the verse for him. Uh, the khata' that comes from the Imam is two types. The mistake that the Imam does is two types. One mistake is that he recites an ayah wrong. And he still carries on reciting. And there's also the Imam stops and he doesn't know what to say after. He stops and he just needs someone to open it for him and he can go. He can go. He just forgot that point. But either way, both of them, both of them, the Imam should be corrected. Okay? So Al Fatuh al Imam here means correcting the Imam in general. It doesn't just mean if he forgets an eye, you can tell him. But if he does a mistake, you ignore it. That it means any mistake that comes from the imam, whether he recites a verse incorrectly or whether he stops and he doesn't, doesn't know what, what to say, either way, you are allowed to tell him and um, correct him. So the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, uh, his noble companion, um, his noble companion, Ubay, prayed behind him, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said to Ubay, Ubay, did you just pray with us? Ubay said, yes, O Messenger of Allah. He said, then why did you not uh, correct us? Correct me. And what prevented you from correcting me? 
And the messenger did a mistake. And Ubay radiallahu ta'ala an was praying with the messenger. Ubay never said anything. He went quiet. The messenger said, what prevented you from correcting me, O messenger of Allah? Sorry, the Prophet said to Ubay, what prevented you from correcting me? Naam. So this shows the permissibility of correcting the Imam. Naam. The author, Allah, here speaks about um, seeking refuge and spitting slightly uh, in the prayer to repel al-waswasa. Someone is in the salah and they whispers happen to them in the middle of the prayer. What is it that you must do? If it happens that you have waswas and some, some uh, waswas in the prayer. Yeah, naam. So the Messenger وسلم, he told Uthman ibn al-As, the Messenger وسلم, he said, this is shaitan who wants to get between you and your prayer and your recitation. He wants to confuse you. That's his aim and objective. So the Messenger وسلم, what did he tell him? He said, This is shaitan. His name is called Khinzab. That's the name of this shaitan. Ah. So the Messenger said, أحسستهو, If you detect him, if you detect this shaitan, you feel it, he's coming to you in your prayer. منه, seek refuge in Allah from him. And the Prophet then says, وسلم, Spit lightly on your left three times. Three times. And if you do that, uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will cause him to go away from you. So, you do it slightly. Don't spit at somebody who's right next to you on your left. Yani, slowly, just go. That's it. You say it. Three times. Bis, khalas. Okay? It's just air. Don't spit at the person next to you. Naam. The author, Rahimahullah, here he mentions four masail related to the ruku'. The ruku'. The first point he mentioned is that the ruku' is a pillar from the pillars of the prayer. Allah says in the Quran, Allah also says, Allah also says, وَإِذْ بَوَّأْنَا لِإِبْرَاهِيمَ مَكَانَ الْبَيْتِ أَلَّا تُشْرِكْ بِي شَيْئًا وَطَهِّرْ بَيْتِيَ لِلطَّائِفِينَ وَالْقَائِمِينَ وَالرُّكَّعِ السُّجُودِ Allah also says, يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا ارْكَعُوا وَاسْجُدُوا وَعَبُدُوا رَبَّكُمْ وَفْعَلُوا الْخَيْرَ لَعَلَّكُمْ تُفْلِحُونَ All of those verses, they show that the rukun is a pillar from the salah. And the messenger said, Sallu kama ra'aytumuni usalli. The second mas'ala is, when does the ruku' happen? The ruku' happens after the person recites the Qur'an, whether it be Fatiha only, or whether it be Fatiha and another surah with it. The person does the ruku' then. Um, but, um, that which has been transmitted from the Messenger is that that the Messenger whenever he would finish his recitation he would read a Surah Al-Fatiha and then after he would read another Surah the Prophet the Sunnah that's been transmitted from him is that he used to be slightly silent for a little bit before he go to the Ruku'ah so he read Fatiha he read another Surah after it once he finished he didn't straight away go to Ruku'ah he Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam he went quiet for a bit and then he would go down alayhi salatu alayhi salatu wassalam
The third issue is كان إذا انتهى المأموم من القراءة وأراد الركوع كبر وهذا التكبير يرفع معه اليدين. If the person um, uh, finishes, the person who's praying behind the imam finishes reciting وأراد الركوع and then he wants to do the ruku, he says الله أكبر and with that takbir he raises his hands. Number four. What is the way that the person should do the ruku'ah? It's the description. It is that your back is straight, okay? And your head, it looks at the mawdu'u sujood, the place that you're going to do your prostration at. You're not allowed to raise your hand like, head like that, and you're not, to, you're not to tuck your head in too much. Your head and your back should be straight. They should be leveled. There's a fifth point also that the Shaykh Rahimullah mentioned in his chapter, which is the, 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 the two chapters that we just recited. Tranquility in the ruku'ah. Some people, they move in the ruku'ah. You have to be tranquil. Number six is, it is not from the sunnah, when doing ruku'ah, that the person that you stick your hands next to your um, it's not from the sunnah that you stick your hands next to your your sides. Uh, that you stick it to your sides. That's not from the sunnah. You spread it out. You what? You spread it. You spread your legs, your hands out. That's the sunnah uh, in which you do it. Now, the author, rahimahullah, here he talks about uh, the pillar of tranquility in the salah. Specifically the ruku'ah. And he's going to mention that in sujood. And he mentions that for the qiyam as well. Yani the salah should be done with tranquility. Um, if you can note this down, this is very important information that I'm going to mention now, inshaAllah ta'ala. The person who's praying the salah, and he's praying very fast. This person who's praying his salah very fast, he's one of two situations. Number one, situation number one. Is and you salli a salata bisura that the person prays the salah very very fast, but he comes with the bare minimum required for each ruku'. Yani, he comes with the required amount, but then straight away he and he's fast, but he's coming with the bare minimum of each position. So he does it and then he goes to the next one and then the next one and the next one. He's doing it fast, but he's coming with. Um, the bare minimum it could be a ruku'ah the bare minimum in which it could be a sujood then this person's salah of course is sahih but um, deficiency is going to be in his prayer uh, because he's stealing from his own prayer he's stealing from his own prayer the second one is the person who's praying and he doesn't even come with the bare minimum required for the ruku'ah um, and the same for the sujood and for the other portions of the salah, then this person salatu batila. This person salah is null and void. He's not only stolen from his salah, but he's fully eradicated his prayer. He's fully nullified his prayer, uh, and that is the one that the noble companion Khalad ibn Rafi' fell into, which is that he was doing that, and the Messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam, he said to him, lam Go back and pray. You haven't prayed. The problem that this companion had was that Tuma'nina was missing from the prayer. Now.
the author rahimahullah he mentions the adkara that should be made in the ruku' and what should be said in the ruku' naam and it's many of them as you can see it's better to verify and it is better to change between them one time do this one and that one time do that one is very good and to um uh do some here and do this one here and do this one here this is called tanwi'ul ibadat it's to change the ibadat now the author rahimahullah he now goes into italatul ruku' naam carry on first of all before we go into the other one the italatul ruku' and the prohibition mm-hmm. And the prohibition of reciting the Quran in the Ruku'ah. The author, Rahimahullah, here he mentioned three masail, three issues. The first issue is that it's prohibited to recite Quran in the Ruku'ah. The second masala that he mentioned is the Prophet, sallallahu he said, In the Ruku'ah, we, we need to glorify Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, um, which is the adhkar that we mentioned in the previous chapter. The third issue is. As for sujood, fajtahadu fi du'a'i. As for sujood, the person should try their best to make as much du'a faqaminun an yustajab lakum. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will accept it. When the person comes to the sujood, they should try their best to make so much du'a and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to accept that. Naam. The author, rahimahullah, here he goes into a um, couple of masail he mentions rahimahullah ta'ala rahmatan wasi'ah um, seven masail mm-hmm. the first issue he mentions is mawdu'u tasbih wal tahmid where do you say um, subhanallah when you say uh, alhamdulillah the second issue that the author rahimahullah mentioned is is it permissible for the musalli the one who's praying whether he's alone or an imam or he's praying behind the imam to combine between saying the scholars of the people of knowledge, Ahlul Ilm, they differed amongst themselves. From the people of knowledge are those who took the opinion that the Musalli, Al Munfarid, the one who's praying by himself, and the Imam, they combine between and Rabbana Walakalhamd. As for the Ma'moom, the one who's praying with the Imam, there's nothing else for him. To say, except Rabbana walakal hamd, and they use the hadith of the Prophet The third benefit in, or the third point in this chapter is the emphasis um, in the importance of um, The Prophet um, he gave us the glad tidings and he informed us that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he is the dua of the slave uh, the importance of that that Allah can hear your dua whatever you say the fourth is the uh, statement in the hadith where the prophet said your sins will be forgiven this is in many hadiths the concept of your sins will be forgiven this is referring to your minor sins, 
but it's not referring to your major sins. Your minor sins, they require repentance. And that is the strongest opinion. The fifth point, inshallah ta'ala, is in this chapter, raising the hands with the tasmir. The author, rahimahullah, mentioned that. And if the person raises their hand, and this is one of the four times where you raise your, raise your four hands. There are four times you raise your hands. This is one of the times which you raise your hands when you get up from the ruku' and when you're also going to the ruku'. The author, rahimahullah, he talks about in this chapter the italat had al qiyam wa wujub al the obligation of lengthening um, the obligation of lengthening that stand that particular stand that it's obligatory to lengthen it and the obligation of being at ease in it and a state of tranquility the author rahimahullah mentioned he mentioned a couple of points number one and the first point is the legislation of standing that particular stand and that stand after ruku' is legislated from the messenger sallallahu which is the stand that happens after the ruku' and before the sujood and the Messenger Sallallahu used to lengthen that stand. Um, Salawatullahi wa He used to lengthen it so much that the person who's praying behind him would think that the Messenger Sallallahu forgot that he's in the prayer. Point number two. The second point is that this stand and having tranquility and ease in that stand is a pillar from the pillars of the salah. Number three, if you don't do that tranquility, your salah is null and void. Number three, The hands, where do they go? When you get up from the ruku', where does your hands go? Do you place your hands on your chest? Or do your hands stay on your sides? That which seems apparent and knowledge is with Allah alone subhanahu wa ta'ala. True knowledge is with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Um, and he's the most knowledgeable subhanahu wa ta'ala. Is that you do not place your hands on your chest when you get up from that ruku'ah. That your hands stay on your side. Naam. But it is a difference of opinion which is valid. Um, Sheikh Nasir rahimahullah was a bit strict. On that issue, it was a bit strict on this issue of placing your hands on your chest. And he took a very harsh uh, statement regarding it. And he referred to it as Bid'atun Baziyya. The Bid'ah of Ibn Baz. But this is not the Bid'ah of Abd Aziz Ibn Baz. It's a Sunnah of um, the Sahabas and some of the early Imams of Al-Islam. So it's a Mas'ala that if you go to the books of Fiqh, you find it's mentioned by great scholars of Al-Islam. And it's even transmitted that Imam Ahmed, rahimahullah, he would do that. Ma'am. So those are 
the three points that the author rahimahullah mentioned in this chapter. Naam. The author rahimahullah, um, here he spoke about the mas'ala, a um, couple of masail, couple of issues. Number one, and al-musalli idha arad an yahwi ila sujudi, fal matru'u lahu an yukabbira awalan, fayakulu Allahu akbar, thumma ba'da dalik yahwi ila sujudi, fala yu'akhiru takbira ila athna'il hawi. أو إلى ما بعد الهوي إما يكبر أولا وهذا صريح لفظ الرواية. The person if he wants to go down to the sujood, that which is legislated is for him to say Allahu Akbar first and then go down. Okay. Point number two. Um, what is legislated for the person who's praying is if he إلى كبرة if he says Allahu Akbar to go down that he raises his hands. This is the time that the Messenger of used to raise his hands. And he, there are four times I mentioned the Prophet used to raise his hands. This is also a time where you raise your hands. When you're going to the sujood. So we already mentioned three places already. Takbiratul Haram. Um, when the first Takbiratul Haram. And the one when you go to the court too, and when you get up from Takbiratul Haram, Allahu Akbar, that's one. When you want to go to the um, Ruku' and then Sami Allahu Ibn Hamida, three, so we mentioned three. And the fourth one is when the person wants to go to the sujood. Sometimes the Prophet used to do that. Ahyanan, not all the time. Um, number three is going to the sujood. Does the person go down with their hands first or their knees? That which seems apparent and knowledge is with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone is that the Prophet explained to us how to go down. And the hadith is authentic. He said, Ida sajda ahadukum falayabruk. Put your hands down before your legs or your knees. It's a long discussion, um, but that is the conclusion of the discussion, inshallah. That is obligatory, the author mentions here, that it's obligatory to have tuma'nina in the sujood. And we mentioned that for every single position, there must be tuma'nina. Okay, there must be tuma'nina. The fourth point that the Shaykh Rahimahullah mentioned, the fourth point that the Shaykh Rahimahullah mentioned is in this chapter um, that the Messenger of Allah clarified, and now Ida said Abdu, if the person is doing prostration and seven parts of your bodies have to touch the ground your forehead, your nose, your two hands, your two knees, and your finger, no, sorry, your toes, <laughs> your toes. They must all touch the floor. The fifth point that the author rahimahullah mentioned is this hadith has shown that the Messenger sallallahu he mentioned and It's a pillar in the prayer. Your forehead and your nose touching the floor is a pillar. And if you don't, your salah is invalid. Number six. The Messenger sallallahu he used to make sure that his toes, when he did that in the prayer, his toes, they would face the Qibla. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And the seventh issue is, إِذَا صَلَّ الْإِنسَانَ If a person prays, 
وشعر رأسه and he realizes that his hair is um, his hair is did the author Rahimullah mention that one? Ah, he did mention it the hadith that a person whose hair is tied the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and the, the author Rahimullah mentioned that he sallallahu alayhi wa sallam saw a uh, man who was praying with his head tied behind him. Um, he, the Prophet said his example uh, is surely like that of someone who prays with his hands bound behind his back. And he also said that it is the saddle of the dev- devil, i.e. where the devil sits, referring to the knots uh, in the hair. So the person shouldn't tie their hair. Um, na'am. So it will reduce from your prayer. The eighth point that the author rahimahullah mentioned is it is haram for the person who is praying إِذَا سَجَّ فِي الصَّلَاةِ أَنْ يَفْتَرِشَ دِرَاعَيْ That the person and, uh, he rests his forearms on the ground like the uh, dog is not allowed. The, the author mentioned that. Number eight mm, number nine sorry يُشْرَعُ أَنْ يُبَالِغَ الْمُصَلِّي فِي تَنْحِيَةِ ذِرَاعَيْهِ عَنْ جَنْبِهِ That it's legislated for the person to extend their, for, their arms from the, the sides. Uh, it's legislated. But the person shouldn't go overboard in doing that. Ma'am. The author, rahimahullah, he mentions the adhkar that have come regarding the sujood, what you can say. And there are many. It's good to memorize multiple of them. So you can read sometimes this one and sometimes this one. It helps in the khushur. Also, it's prohibited from reciting the Quran in the sujood. It's prohibited. Okay? But the question here is, what about if I want to read dua that are in the Quran as a dua and not necessarily as a Quran, then this is permissible inshaAllah ta'ala. There's nothing wrong with that. Shaykh al-Islam Taymiyyah and Imam al-Nawi and others have spoken about that. Naam. The Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa uh, the author here is mentioning that the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa used to lengthen his sujood. Okay, and we've spoken about, uh, it was, or it was mentioned in the previous chapters that the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sujood sometimes was so long that in his sujood one time or sometimes it would be as long as reciting Surah Al-Fatiha, Surah Al-Nisa and Ali Imran. His sujood. All of Nisa. All of Ali Imran. That's very, very long. And he would do that in his Qiyam. Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. His Qiyam, that's what he would do. So this is something that you shouldn't do when you're leading the people, of course. But you do that in your own personal time when you're praying by yourself. Also, sometimes, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he would do that in his prayer. Um, reciting all of Surah Al-Baqarah. It was the length of his sujood sometimes. Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. All of Baqarah. Of a sujood. Uh, naam. The author, Rahimahullah, the author, Rahimahullah, he mentioned in the chapter of Fadlul Sujood, he mentioned um, three important things. Point number one What does it mean, the Atharul Sujood? What does it mean that you have the effect of Sujood on your forehead? 
Allah says in the Quran, سِيْمَاهُمْ فِي وُجُوهِهِمْ مِنْ أَثَرِ السُّجُودِ Having the effects of the sujood. What does that mean? It is a nur that Allah Taala will make on the face of the believer. Uh, subhanahu wa ta'ala. And it will be on the seven places where he prostrated from. His forehead, his nose, his hands, his two knees, and the tips of his uh, toes. That is what's meant by atharus sujood. As for what many people today think, the majority of the people, that the atharus sujood is the black patch on, on a person's forehead. They see a little patch on a person's forehead, and then they say to him, Allah, see mahum fi min atari They say, ah. And that's not what's meant by it. That's not what's meant by see mahum fi min atari And this hadith shows so. There might be somebody who prays more than another person, ah, but never has that sujood on his face, the alama. And another person, his skin is very sensitive, okay? His skin is sensitive. So when he goes on, to gr- on, the, on the carpet, or it touches the ground, it shows straight away, even if he prays very little. So don't be deceived by seeing a black patch on someone's forehead and thinking this person is qa'im, sa'im, he prays all night and he prays a lot. It doesn't mean that. Okay? Number two is, the athar sujood the sign of the sujood uh, that the people mention. Um... So number one, we mentioned that what is, what is it meant by Athar al-Sujood? And we mentioned the hadith means the seventh place where the person prostrates from and that is what's going to shine your Al-Qiyamah. The second point is what I just mentioned now, that the understanding of the people when it comes to the Athar al-Sujood is incorrect. They understand it as to be a black patch on someone's forehead and that is the Athar al-Sujood. That's what they say. Whenever they see that person, they say, Allah, see ma fi wujuhim in Athar al-Sujood. Number three, do we understand from this hadith or these ahadith and an ummah sabiqa? Do we understand from this hadith that the previous nations they never used to do wudu? Because it says that the Messenger وسلم, is going to recognize his people, his, his nation through their sujuds. Uh, does that mean that the previous nations they never used to do wudu? Is that what uh, is understood from it? I think I made that a homework, inshallah ta'ala. I'll make that a homework for you all. Inshallah ta'ala, if you can submit your answers, I would love to know what you think, inshallah ta'ala, uh, in your research. So research, inshallah ta'ala, it's a mas'ala fiqhiyya. Uh, it's a fiqhi-related issue. Uh, look at what the ulama said about it and what they commented on, the, on this particular hadith. I would be really uh, happy to know what your research uh, in this issue becomes. It's a mas'ala uh, that the scholars discussed, inshallah ta'ala. So research, bi-idhnillah al-kareem, and look for it. <sighs> the author, rahimahullah, that is what he mentioned. Also, it mentions that, the author, rahimahullah, mentioned, uh, point number four, uh, I'm going to add on to the next chapter one as well. The Prophet, sallallahu used to prostrate on the ground. Okay? Um, and he also used to prostrate, وَبَيْنَهُ حَائِلٌ There was a, Something between him and the prostration, he would pray that sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. That's four. Five. Um, this and number four, we mentioned four, right? Five. Point number five. 
burdening yourself when it comes to praying the salah in a particular place. Akhi, I can't pray here. I'm going to pray right here. This is the only place I pray in my house. Or when I pray, I only pray in this area. This is not from the sunnah of the Prophet Sallallahu Okay? The Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he used to pray anywhere because of what the hadith says that the earth has all been made pure and a masjid. Okay? The previous nations, they used to do this. They used to pray in their, 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 their places of worships, their churches and etc. And also that, that can also mean that some people who always have a sajada when they pray, they're always carrying a sajada, and if they don't carry it, they're not going to pray. No, the asal is that the earth can be prayed on and until there is a clear-cut evidence that this place is impure. Also, the next point that the author Rahimullah mentions that um, if a person prostrates on somewhere and then water and sand all mix up and touch the person's forehead, then this is mubah. Even though the people might think that's dirty, but in the sharia that's not impure. Okay, now. The author Rahimullah in these three fusul, these three first fusul, al-raf'u min al-sujood, al-iqa' bayna sajdatayn, wujubu al-itmi'nani bayna sajdatayn, the author, rahimahullah, he speaks about the couple of following, the following issues. Number one, um, the Messenger sallallahu used to raise his head from the sujood mubakkiran, early. Um, sorry, mukabbiran, sorry, not mubakkiran, sorry. Mukabbiran, yani with the takbir. Yani the Prophet would combine between the raising and the takbir. He would do it together. That's the first way. Okay? There's another way which is That's there's two ways. Sometimes he would sallallahu he would combine between the raising of the head and the takbir together. Also, there's another way, which is That's the first. The second one is That they're both one description. Yani one thing. Naam. The second mas'ala that the author Allah, talks about is and it's legislated in raising for raf'il al-sujood when raising from the, uh, for the sujood between the two sajdatayn um, and the takbir that the person raises his hands and when you finish that to when you go to qiyam that you raise your hands that's the fourth place where the person does it that the messenger sallallahu you always used to do and one of them i mentioned the fifth point that i mentioned before was sometimes the third issue that the shaykh rahimahullah mentioned was that the way that the messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam used to sit between the two sajda the way he used to sit, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, there's two ways. There's a hay'ah called hay'atul iftirash. That's the first form that the Messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, used to do, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And that is when the person sits on the one leg and the other leg is standing. Okay? That's the first form. It's called iftirash. And the second one is um, 
The second form is that has been transmitted from the Prophet is called Sifatul Iqa sorry. Sifatul Iqa'i. And the Iqa has three ways that it's done. Inshallah ta'ala, I'm going to ask you to do that homework bidnilah al kareem as well. Naam. Now, and number four, the author Rahimallah mentions Attumanina Baina Sajdatain, tranquility between the two sajda. Naam. The author Rahimallah here talks about Adkar Baina Sajdatain. The Adkar that the person does after the Sajdatain. Um, oh, sorry, between the Sajdatain. In that sitting. Naam. Jalsatul Istiraha, in that the author Rahimahullah, he mentioned a couple of Masail. Masalatul Ula, the first issue is the dhikr that is legislated to, to say. In the Jalsatul Istiraha, which is the adkar that the author Rahimahullah mentioned, you say, Allahumma gfili warhamni, wajburni, warfa'ni, wahdini, wa'afini, warzukni. The person says that. The second thing that the author Rahimahullah mentioned is الثابت أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم كان يقول هذه الأذكار في صلاة الليل That he used to say this at night prayer. The third issue that we learn in this chapter is في النصوص التي أوردها المصنف دليل أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم كان يكبر أولا These texts that the Shaykh Rahimahullah mentioned it shows that the Messenger صلى الله عليه وسلم used to say Allahu Akbar and then he would prostrate after he said Allahu Akbar. And there are other evidences that also show and know yukabbiru wa yasjudu sawiyyan that he used to do both of them together. Yani he sujood and Allah Akbar were the same. Mas'alatul rabi'ah, the fourth mas'ala. Kana sallallahu alayhi wa sallam yarfa'u yadayhi ma'a hadha takbiri ahyanan fafihi mashru'iyatu raf'il yadayni ma'a hadha takbiri ahyanan. Sometimes you're allowed to raise your hands in the takbir in this particular point. المسألة الخامسة the fifth مسألة الرفع من هذا السجود الثاني um, raising from the second sujood you have to connect the takbir with it the sixth issue is the statement of ثم يستوي قاعدا على رجله ليسرى معتدلا حتى يرجع كل عظم إلى موضعه the person he sits straight so every single joint of that body can go back to its form. The Messenger وسلم, he would rely on his hands when he would get up for the to the rak'ah. He would do that. Naam. The author Rahimullah he talks about the first tashahud. The first tashahud, the person what they do is they sit on one leg and the other leg is standing. That's what the first tashahud is, that the person does. Naam. Naam. That the person does. Naam. The author, rahimahullah, he goes into a mas'ala known as tahrikul isba'ah. The tahrik of the isba'i, the moving of the finger in the tashahud. Is a mas'ala that the scholars disunited, they, they differed on, and they have different opinions regarding. Some scholars, they believe 
you can move the fingers, and some scholars believe you can't. Sheikh Nasir is of the opinion that you can move the finger, and that seems to be strong, that it's permissible to move your finger, and you don't have to. If you want, you can keep it straight. Both are, inshallah ta'ala, fine. Um, but the Sheikh Rahimullah, he is of the opinion that you can move the finger. All of these that the Sheikh Rahimullah mentioned from the Sirah Tashahud, the forms of the Tashahud, the Tashahud ibn Abbas and Tashahud ibn Umar and the Tashahud of Abi Musa al-Ash'ari and the Tashahud of Umar ibn Khattab and Tashahud Aisha. And those are the six Tashahudat that exist. All of them is good to learn different forms. This is, is one of the things that Shaykh al-Islam Taymi, if you look at his Majmu' al-Fatawa, when he uses the Qa'ida as إِذَا وَرَدَ فِي السُنَّةِ If there comes in a Sunnah for a Ibadah one, more than one form comes for a particular Ibadah Ibn Taymiyyah generally uses the example of, of the Tashahudat and if there comes in different forms of Ibadah he said it's good to always change like the Qira'at like the Dua al-Istiftah the Tashahudat Ibn Taymiyyah used that as a Dalil uh, so it's good to change and learn it it helps with the khushu. a lot of people ask I want to have khushu in the Salah this helps Naam. Also the Salat al-Nabi Sending salutation upon the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and its place and its form The author rahimahullah mentioned it The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam This is what uh, He used to recite And then there's the salutation That the person recites um, By saying The following uh, That the author rahimahullah mentioned How do you say it? There's many forms the author Rahimullah mentioned six forms or seven forms, no, seven forms of the anwa' of Siyah Salati Al Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, the ways that you should send salutation on the Prophet. Now he's going to go into the important benefits regarding sending salutation upon the Prophet uh, of the Ummah. Now, the author Rahimahullah, after he mentioned the Tashahud. He mentioned, or the salawat on the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he mentioned fawaid, benefits that could be taken from all of this. Inshallah ta'ala, we're going to go through those benefits bi'ilnillahi al-kareem tomorrow. Tomorrow, inshallah ta'ala, we're going to go through those benefits, each one bi'ilnillahi al-kareem, and they are beneficial, uh, important uh, benefits regarding sending the salutation upon the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Um, also tomorrow the first thing we're going to do at the beginning of the class is take your questions that you all have or what we can do is once we finish the book we can take the questions whichever one you like inshallah ta'ala we can do barakallahu um, feekum uh, for listening may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reward you all jazakumullahu khayran wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh Subhanakallah, Muhammad, Ashadullah, Allah, Astaghfirullah, Astaghfirullah.